If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. For over a year now, we've been chasing Vasily Spaliokostas. We've sent reporters to communist enclaves and anarchist-controlled islands. We've talked to police and prime ministers. And we've spent hours with Vasilis's mentor, Costa Samaras, just trying to decipher our good thief's past. But as much as we've learned about Vasilis, the man remains just out of reach. At this point in our story, he's still more of a myth. And the thing is, we might be falling for the romance of his tale a little too hard, playing into the very image that Vasilis has spent the last few decades carefully constructing. Here's a section from his autobiography where Vasilis writes about himself and the difference between him and common criminals. Between a crocodile and an eagle lies the abyss. Both are predators, yet no song has ever been written about a crocodile. It's a matter of aesthetics and grace. How can a poet be inspired by a carnivore that lies in murky waters waiting for its prey? Vasilis is an eagle, flying high above it all, manifesting his own destiny, a majestic predator of style and grace, and one, he thinks, that should be immortalized in poetic verse. But what if our good thief is a little more crocodile than he'd like the world to believe? What if there's a gaping hole in this narrative he's stitched together for himself, and our glorious eagle is soaring on stolen valor? From Kaleidoscope and iHeart Podcasts, I'm Miles Gray, and this is The Good Thief. Chapter 1. You're in luck, lads. 
In some ways, this story has always been a family drama. From the beginning, Vasilis looked up to his big brother. His love and admiration for Nikos is what drew him to a life of crime. And in many ways, it makes sense. Vasilis and Nikos come from a close-knit family. There are five Paleocosta siblings, and with the exception of Vasilis, they all seem to be living in, or near, that house we visited outside Tricola. A house that George learned is under frequent surveillance. Here's George. According to Vasilis Eftemil, the police officer we met earlier in the series, the family was apparently full of scoundrels. He told us they never worked. He called them freeloaders, that they used to drink all day and they lived on the money that Nikos and Vasilis stole. In a weird way, it seems that Nikos and Vasilis are the family's success story. While the other siblings never really amounted to much, the pair were out robbing banks, partially to help mum and dad make ends meet. Which tracks, right? I mean, part of the reason we're obsessed with Vasilis, Nikos, and Kostas Samaras is because they're so concerned with being moral criminals. And in his book, Vasilis is very clear about where he draws those lines. He writes how his conscience won't allow him to sell drugs or guns, enter another person's house to steal. He won't snitch or sell his friends out. He goes on and on. The list of don'ts is actually much longer than that. But then he pivots to what he's allowed to do. What do my morals allow me to do? Only bank robberies, abducting rich people, and being part of a revolution toward a more just world, 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 world. It's that last one that will get him in trouble. Cut to 1999. Vasilis is driving a stolen car down the old national highway in central Greece. He's been living off the money he made on the Haitoglu kidnapping. But he has to be careful. Right now, there's a million euro bounty out for his capture and the cops are on high alert. It's occurred to Vasilis that maybe he'd be safer if he left the country or ran away to some anonymous island. But that isn't him. Vasilis can't stop thinking about the corrupt society he lives in. He dreams about living in a more just world. So instead of fleeing, Vasilis puts his energy into making a statement. There's a new high security prison being built nearby, and he's irritated because people have just allowed it to happen. It's yet another jail in their backyard, yet another correctional institution that will be overcrowded with petty criminals instead of the wealthy tax cheats and dirty politicians who really belong there. Vasilis thinks maybe an explosion could make the area's residents react. It's dramatic, but he's a revolutionary. He wants to shake society out of its lull. So he's driving around, trying to secure the dynamite and shore up his plans, when... He gets stuck behind a truck with both its brake lights out. The weather's dismal. It's gray, rainy, traffic is stop and go. Then everything starts moving again. Vasilis presses the gas. For a brief second, he takes his eye off the road. When he looks up, he's about to crash into the truck. Vasilis cuts the wheel, but his tires slip below him. He pumps the brakes, but the car won't stop. It slides off the road. Everything's a blur. 
The car tumbles down the embankment and lands in a ditch, hitting bottom hard. Minutes pass. Vasilis takes a deep breath and checks himself. He's not injured, but he is banged up. He reaches into the back seat and grabs his briefcase. It's full of grenades, guns, and money. Then he crawls out. He climbs up the embankment and stumbles onto the road. When he reaches the top, the cops are already there, ready to help. So is a small crowd of onlookers. Right now, the police are friendly. But Vasilis knows it's a matter of time before they run his plates and discover the car is stolen. His mind races. Then, he scans the people who got out to help. They've all left their vehicles unattended, and at least one car is off, with its keys still in the ignition. Vasily sprints to the vehicle. He opens the door, sits down, and turns the key. The engine doesn't start. Within seconds, Vasilis is on the ground, his face pinned to wet pavement, his hands in cuffs. That's when he tells the police the good news. You lads are in luck. You've got Paleo Costa. Chapter 2. Warehouse of Bodies. It isn't long before Vasilis has been thrown in a solitary holding cell. It's cold and damp. Vasilis is shivering. I was alone, listening to the sounds of prison for quite some time. They were creepy, full of terror, incompatible with human life. What collective hopes... What dreams legitimize the construction, the existence, the operation of such places? If Vasilis didn't think much of prisons before, this doesn't help. This place is Corrida Los Prison Complex, a maximum security hellhole. Greece's Alcatraz. A prison guard we interviewed called it a warehouse for bodies. For the next three hours, Vasilis tries to stay warm by pacing back and forth. Then the cell door swings open. A man appears in the entranceway. He has a salt and pepper beard, thick black eyebrows, dark circles below sunken eyes. Vasilis recognizes the face. It's the prison's infamous warden, Andonis Aravandinos. And he wants a closer look at this so-called Robin Hood of Greece. He steps into the cell, followed by a number of guards, all gripping nightsticks. It's all theater, Vasilis tells himself. They talk. Aravandinos tries to intimidate him. Vasilis plays it cool. Maybe too cool. The warden gets angry. Suddenly, Vasilis stumbles backwards. The warden pushed him, or maybe punched him? Vasilis seethes. He can't help himself. He charges the warden, grips the collar of his jacket, and just as he's about to pin his neck against the wall, the guards swarm. Vasilis's arms are overpowered. The guards jerk his hands high above his head, and with his body exposed, nightsticks rain down on his ribs, his legs, his face. The prison floor drips red. When the beating finally stops, 
blood streams out his nose. His cheeks are swollen. His rib cage throbs with each breath. Soon, Vasilis is dragged to his new home in cell 93. These allegations of brutal prison beatings play an important part in Vasilis's story. This idea that the state abuses its power. It's one of Vasilis's main motivations for robbing banks and blowing up prison construction sites. When judges announce their verdicts, they don't mention that the prison sentences they so lavishly hand out will be accompanied by constant torture. I'm not exaggerating. Blood on the floor, the walls, the dirty blankets, blood everywhere. Faces swollen, bruised, and deformed from having suffered severe injuries. Tortured bodies curled up inside sheets for weeks, unable to even use the bathroom on their own. Stacked up souls, abandoned in chambers with no future, with no hope. The description is horrific, but Vasilis clearly has an agenda here, and we wanted to do a little fact-checking. So we put Christina on the case. We started by reaching out to the warden, Arvadinos. We wanted to give him a chance to react, but when we tracked him down, he was uh, curt. He called these allegations categorically false. And then he told us that he didn't want to take part in any kind of production about Paulo Costas, which makes sense. I mean, Vasilis has embarrassed him over the years. So we found somebody else who knew Vasilis while he was in Corridalos, a social worker named Nicolas Kuluris. Kuluris has worked at Corridalos for years. He also acknowledged that this kind of prison violence happened. He said prisoners have complained about a, quote, violent reception ritual upon entering the prison. It sent a message. You will sit tight and behave, or you won't have a good time here. He adds that this was not standard procedure. It was more something done to VIP criminals, if you will. When a big-name prisoner arrives, the entire prison goes on high alert. Kuluris is saying that they have all these discussions about where he'll be placed and how he'll be guarded. And this often leads to negotiations with the celebrity prisoner. Like, if you cooperate, we'll put you in a nicer cell with some fresh air and sunlight, or we're going to assign you an easy prison job. Apparently, this is what happened with Vasilis. Vasilis writes about that in his book that the prison warden kept trying to strike a deal with him. But Vasilis always said no. Because basically, what Aravandinos was asking him to do was to snitch. In 
If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. With the best all-inclusive vacation deals to Mexico and the Caribbean, booking your getaway with cheap Caribbean vacations means you have more freedom to do your deal. Whether you want to enjoy snorkeling, endless margaritas, and more, or simply soak up the sun and sand in a tropical paradise, Cheap Caribbean Vacations has your deal for that. Plan and book the exact getaway you want at exactly the right price for you by using our exclusive budget beach finder. Or find a featured all-inclusive package to Ocean by H10 Hotels and do your deal at CheapCaribbean.com. Chapter 3. Big Brother's Shadow In the late 90s, the Paleocostas brothers had made a name for themselves. Their robberies, their getaways. But it turns out, it was Nikos, not Vasilis, who got most of the spotlight. Now, maybe it's because Nikos was the big brother. Or maybe it's because he was usually the one behind the wheel during those daring car chases. Regardless, it was Nikos who first became famous for evading police, and it was Nikos who locals first lauded as the do-gooding bandit. Vasilis had a reputation too, but he was always riding his brother's coattails. And when Vasilis got arrested, his brother's shadow only grew. Suddenly, any mystique Vasilis had as a slippery bandit, a thief who could evade the police, had disappeared. And the longer he sat in jail, the more famous Nikos became. In 2006, the newspaper Kathimerini wrote that Nikos Paleocostas embodies the popular myth of the good-hearted bandit, Azoro. The same year, another newspaper dubbed him the Robin Hood of the Forests of the Pindus. Year by year, his legend grew. Bloggers began comparing Nikos to famous revolutionaries and resistance fighters. Stories about his generosity spread across internet forums. By 2006, an ABC News article had called Nikos the country's most wanted man. Vasilis, on the other hand, was basically an afterthought. One newspaper from the time dubbed him the little one. All of this had us wondering, have we been chasing after the wrong guy? A few months ago, our team was interviewing a police officer in Tricola one who insisted on remaining anonymous. And in the middle of the conversation, he says, Do you want to meet the original Greek Robin Hood? So, of course, Christina and George were like, uh, yeah. And 24 hours later, we're standing in front of Nikos Polokostas' house. At least we think it's his house. Uh, do you make sure that you remember where we've left the car? 
The cops scribbled down these vague directions on how to get here. Something about a two-story house on the outskirts of Tricola, across from a school. He said Nikos has been living under house arrest. He didn't promise he'd talk to us, but he said we'd find him here. The house we're looking at is off-white, bare wooden, shutters, thick blankets on the clotheslines. I'm trying to make note of all the details, but my heart is pounding like it's about to explode from my chest. And just as I go to ring the doorbell, a woman appears. Like out of nowhere, from from the second floor balcony. She's middle-aged, with short, straight brown hair and pale skin, and she's staring down at us. That's when we realized this is definitely where the Palo Costa's family lives. The woman is Nikos and Vasilis's sister, Kosandina. We try chatting with her, but she's very, very cagey. We ask if Nikos is inside. She tells us he is. He's napping, you know, taking a siesta. She's not happy with us for being there. She says Nikos has no interest in talking. We were expecting to hear something like that, so before we arrived, we wrote a letter. A letter explaining who we are, why we're here, and what we're doing. We labored over this thing, making sure that every word was just right. We explained that we're not with the mainstream TV stations, which have a reputation for being sensationalist in Greece. We told them that we're here to get Nikos's side of the story. So we pull out the letter, and I'm worried that Kostadina won't take it, but she does. She comes down from the balcony and takes it, promising that she's going to give it to Nikos. And then, well, she shuts the door in our face. This whole episode got us thinking. How much of Vasilis's legend was actually built on Nikos's story? That's Dimitris Kuchabasiakos, a film professor who worked on a documentary about the brothers. Like us, Dimitris went up into the mountains in search of the brothers' hideouts. He told us that Vasilis was more on the anti-authoritarian side of things, more of the anarchist, but it was Nikos who was the original social bandit. He said that Nikos modelled himself after the bandits who called Trikala home in the days of yore. These old-school outlaws who were non-violent, justice-oriented. And that it was Nikos, at first, who took inspiration from these role models. And this really made locals love him. He said that in the villages south of the Pindus Mountains, where Nikos was hiding, incredible stories were circulating about how Nikos was helping shepherds, the bedridden, the elderly, the whole region supported him. The more we looked into it, the more we realized that if Vasilis had charitable qualities, it's because he was doing what so many younger siblings do. He was copying his big brother. One source, who didn't want to be recorded, told our team that, frankly, Vasilis was just tagging along. He was the family hothead. Nikos, on the other hand, was the thoughtful one, the altruistic one, the one who preached nonviolence. And the thing is, Vasilis doesn't deny this last part. Here's how he puts it in his book. It was Nikos who, while being chased by police officer in Katerini, said, let's not kill him. It would be a shame. It was him who told me not to empty my Kalashnikov 
on the three plainclothes officers who cornered us during a car chase outside Edessa. There are countless stories that testify to the good nature of a man who never used the power endowed to him by his gun as a means to control, let alone kill. Vasily says if he was ever truly cornered, if it meant his life, he'd shoot without question. But not Nikos. Nikos was softer. If cornered, he'd rather give up or be killed instead. But despite his nonviolent nature, Nikos was a wanted man. In the early 2000s, Nikos Paleokostas was declared Greece's public enemy number one. Before long, he'd cracked Interpol's top 10 most wanted criminals list. As the pressure to find him increased, Greece activated its counter-terrorism unit and charged its toughest officers with hunting Nikos down. So I'm going to step in here to explain. It might sound a bit excessive for Greece to send a rabid anti-terrorism unit after a a kind-hearted robber with a knack for giving away his loot, but um, it, it makes a little more sense if you know a few things about the country's history. Immediately after the fall of the junta, Greece was severely tested by terrorism. That's Lefteris Ikonomou. I was an officer of the Hellenic police. I dealt with state security. For decades, Economou helped lead Greece's anti-terrorism efforts. It was an around-the-clock job. After the fall of the right-wing junta in 1974, Greece became a hub for left-wing activism. And in some cases, these anti-state attitudes became extreme. Terrorists took advantage of the climate against the army, the police, and those they believed sided with the junta. They thought this was the moment for a great revolution, the moment to overthrow capitalism and the bourgeoisie and to impose their own system. The most infamous of these terrorist groups was the 17th of November, named after the date when police massacred 40 students during a protest. In response, the group plotted assassinations, planted bombs, targeted government officials. It even assassinated a CIA agent and members of the U.S. embassy. Ambassador Tom Miller told us how one time he went to the American embassy and was shocked to find a six-foot rocket smoldering in it, courtesy of the 17th of November. Long story short, this terrorist group had Greek authorities on edge. And the main way they funded their activities was through bank robbery. Which is how Nikos and Vasilis Paleokostas got tied up with the anti-terrorism police. Basically, the brothers fit the profile. Anti-government sympathies? Check. Always carrying around machine guns and explosives? Check. Targeting the rich and powerful? Check. Robbing banks? Check. Cops looked at these facts and concluded... Hey, these guys might be terrorists too. But the more they eluded these high-level police, the more their legend grew. It was like the papers were looking for Robin Hood characters to root for, and they found them in these two. But once Vasilis landed in jail, all of that attention turned to Nikos. By 2006, he had spent 16 years dodging the police. He was the one with the money, the ideology, the respect. And perhaps most importantly to Vasilis, 
Nikos was the one with all the fame. Chapter 4 Odd Jobs For Vasilis Paleocostas, the hardest part of being locked up was the isolation. For those keeping track, this is his second time in prison. And by this point, he has escaped once before. By 2006, he was back at Corridalos, and for the most part, alone. Aside from one furry friend. My only companion was Tarzan, my pampered ginger cat that enjoyed my food and protection inside the wing. He was the only one I'd really miss if I happened to clear off. Vasilis also had a human cellmate, and not just one. The prison was suffering from overcrowding. At times, there were five or six guys to a hundred square foot cell. The thing about Vasilis, though, is that he had been trained years ago to find the silver lining in these sorts of things. And he quickly found one. Like, sure, the prison was stuffed, uncomfortable, but those same conditions made the prisoners harder to control. The wardens maintained power by handing out favors to informants. But as the prison population exploded, it became harder for officials to keep their old promises. Snitches became less loyal. And with this wave of new inmates, it became harder for even the most reliable informants to keep tabs on everyone. Vasilis got a couple new cellmates and gained new connections to the world outside. Slowly, he got comfortable bouncing around escape ideas. What if they took a fret saw to the bars on their window? What if some friends on the outside knocked down the outer wall? These weren't just fantasies. Vasilis actually got extremely close to plotting a breakout where guys on the other side would destroy the prison wall with explosives and, yes, rocket launchers. But he ended up calling it off at the last minute. I would spend two pointless years in Corridalos making escape plans that never materialized, having officers constantly search my cell. Vasilis was too well monitored to escape on his own. He needed more freedom to move around the prison. And then he remembered the welcome he got to Corridalos. And he remembered being offered a deal. So, after years of enduring the torture and pushing offers away, he finally accepted. Kuluris actually remembers this deal. Officials made an agreement that he would be assigned a specific job in the jail. And this job would require him to freely move around different prison areas. His first job, it turns out, was to be the chief cleaner of his prison wing. According to both Kuluris and Vasilis, the job got him extra time out of his cell. And as chief cleaner, it meant managing other inmates. Over time, Vasilis was making more and more connections. There was Yorgos, the homicidal mafioso, Kostas, the cop killer, Spiros, the bank-robbing terrorist. And Vasilis's network expanded even more when he became one of the prison's first aid assistants. This new job placed him in a new wing of the prison, a much cushier part of Gorridalos. And since medical emergencies can happen anywhere, Vasilis was given pretty liberal access to different parts of the prison, including the central courtyard. When we talked with Goluris, he didn't say outright that this was a mistake, but it was kind of clear that in retrospect, it was. He said, 
With his new freedom to move around, the prison accidentally handed Vasilis a ticket to escape. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. With the best all-inclusive vacation deals to Mexico and the Caribbean, booking your getaway with cheap Caribbean vacations means you have more freedom to do your deal. Whether you want to enjoy snorkeling, endless margaritas, and more, or simply soak up the sun and sand in a tropical paradise, Cheap Caribbean Vacations has your deal for that. Plan and book the exact getaway you want at exactly the right price for you by using our exclusive Budget Beach Finder or find a featured all-inclusive package to Generations Riviera Maya Resort and do your deal at CheapCaribbean.com. Chapter 5. Phone a friend. Escaping by helicopter wasn't something that just dawned on me. I'd been working on it since I was first imprisoned but never came this close to putting it into practice. Vasilis shared his plans with a handful of prisoners, but he had trouble finding people who could truly think outside the box. Usually when he mentioned the plan, he was greeted with dumb stares. Where are you going to find a hardened criminal with a pilot's license, they'd always say. Where were the idealists, the dreamers hungry for freedom, the inmates with imagination? The people around here are willing to sell and be sold to buy and be bought. An armed man without morals is just a criminal. There's a difference between a criminal and an outlaw. Vasilis was looking for a fellow outlaw. One day, while he was getting comfy in a new cell, a kid came up to him, a 28-year-old from Albania named Alket Rizai. Vasilis looked him up and down. The guy was young, could barely grow a full mustache, but Vasilis knew his reputation. The kid was rumored to be a hitman. Vasilis told him point blank. Plans need people with balls to see them through. And they need to care for you personally, in a selfless way. If you've got people like that, trust me, we'll get out of this prison. It was just the type of conversation Vasilis had been waiting years to have. Finally, some hope. So the men begin plotting, and Alket starts pinging friends, who start scouring Athens for helicopter charter companies. If they can find just one without a security check, maybe they can sneak weapons onto the chopper and hijack it. A few days later, Alket gets a text. The plan is a go.
Chapter 6 The View from Above Here's where, dear listeners, we get back to the story that was in our first episode. It's Sunday in June 2006, just a few hours before the breakout, and Vasilis fidgets with a chain of worry beads, what Greeks call a komboloi. It's a stress reliever and a good luck charm. Vasilis passes the time running the beads through his fingers. Everything is ready. Alquette's man has booked a flight with the helicopter company. He's coming with reinforcements too, a second hijacker to help. They even have an alibi. They're taking a birthday celebration flight. The two men board the helicopter in the beachside town of Glifada. As they're strapping their seatbelts, they make friendly chit-chat with the pilot, who is unaware that the two men are armed with pistols, their backpacks stuffed with grenades. The chopper slowly rises into the clouds, and the trip begins. They trace the turquoise coastline, and the pilot points out the sights. The mansions of the rich and famous, ancient ruins, a distant monastery, before pointing the craft northwest toward downtown Athens. Within minutes, Corridalos comes into sight. Suddenly, the pilot feels the tip of an old Soviet pistol pressed against his temple. He hears the words, if you do anything stupid, you're dead. Vasilis and Alket have picked the right day. Turns out, there's a massive rally downtown, so there are a lot of helicopters hovering nearby. In the prison, Vasilis leaves his cell and walks toward the prison yard. Nobody suspects a thing. He has this kind of freedom to move, and as he steps into the jail yard, he can hear the soft rumble of a chopper somewhere over the horizon. Vasilis carries a bag with a red Che Guevara flag inside. He meets Alquette, and the two walk to the center of the yard, take the flag out, and plant it smack in the middle. Up in the air, the hijackers tell the pilot to look for the red flag. A minute or two passes. Suddenly, the helicopter clears the prison wall and hovers over the yard. Clouds of dust kick up into the air. Wind whips in circles, throwing sand into everyone's eyes. The helicopter descends and descends, and the noise grows louder and louder. The sound of the rotors bounces off the concrete walls and amplifies. Vasilis feels the noise of the chopper consume him. The prison guards look on. The guards assume that some high-level politician is putting on a spectacular surprise entrance. The helicopter drops until it's just hovering a foot or two off the ground. The door is open. Alquette and Vasilis race on. By the time the guards realize what happened, Alquette and Vasilis are already looking down at the rooftops of Athens, eagles soaring to freedom. The chopper makes a beeline out of town, landing next to an empty cemetery on the edge of Athens, where the hijackers have hidden a pair of stolen motorcycles. Once the helicopter lands, Alquette jumps out and races for a bike. But Vasilis takes his time. Rather than run for it, he calmly turns to the pilot and reaches into his pocket. Take this, he tells the man. He pulls out his komboloi, the worry beats, and hands it to the pilot. It's a collectible. I don't need it anymore. Then he strolls to his motorcycle and disappears. 
A few months later, with Vasilis on the run, Brother Nikos's luck finally runs dry. It's September 2006, and Nikos is speeding around the foothills of Mount Olympus. He accelerates through a roadblock, and the cops give chase. But as he tries to take a curve, the wheels slip. He slides off the road, and the car rolls over onto its roof. Behind him, the police screech to a halt. The cops pull out their guns, ready for a fight. Slowly, Nikos crawls out the window. He's armed, but he knows he isn't going to kill these men. So he just gives himself up. His streak as the most uncatchable man in Greece comes to an end. Nikos is sent to a prison in Patras, in western Greece. A judge finds him guilty of more than a dozen bank robberies. Combined with the charges for escaping prison and fleeing the police, to name a few, he is sentenced to more than 197 years behind bars. And that's when everything changes. Suddenly, Nikos is the one in jail. And Vasilis, he's the one all the newspapers are talking about. The change in reputation is immediate. All the things they once said about Nikos, that he's nonviolent, that he's charitable, that he's uncatchable, that gets shifted to his little brother. In 2006, the BBC had called Nikos a Robin Hood. By 2009, the Associated Press has given that title to Vasilis. And that's the curious thing about the Vasilis Paleocosta story. He's a bank robber, a kidnapper, a thief, but probably the most important thing he ever stole was the title of good thief from his older brother. As for Nikos, the glory days are over. He's suffering from acute kidney disease. In 2021, he's released from prison to house arrest on humanitarian grounds. Aside from twice a week dialysis appointments, he's not allowed to leave the family home outside Trikala. That's why the local cops told us, if you wanna talk to him, just stop by. He's not going anywhere. They made it sound easy. But nothing in this story is ever that simple. So after Nikos's sister slammed the door on George and Christina, they had to call Daphne back in Athens and break the bad news. She looked like she was scared or something. A little bit, She yeah. definitely looked guarded, but she, yeah, yeah, definitely guarded. What time did you go? Do you think he was genuinely having a siesta? I think, I think so. so, yeah. I think I so. so, yeah. Um, so maybe it's worth going tomorrow morning before you leave as well. Maybe, we can try. I feel like we're going to get another door shut in our face, but... But maybe um, they will have read the letter by then, so maybe we have a slightly different reaction. So perhaps. Perhaps. Yeah. Okay, I hope so. All right. Thanks, um, guys. Next time on The Good Thief. Persistence pays off. Ah, I feel fear. Okay, so we're approaching from the other side. Shall we drive a little bit? Oh, fuck me. Okay, that is literally him. That is that. The Good Thief is a Kaleidoscope production in partnership with iHeart Podcasts. It's hosted by me, Miles Gray. 
Our executive producers are Mangesh Hatikadur, Costas Linos, Oz Wolishin, and Kate Osborne. From iHeart, executive producers are Katrina Norvell and Nikki Etor. Our partners at the Greek Podcast Project are executive producer Daphne Carnesis, field producers Christina Pilioni and George Miadis, and sound designer Nikos Sklavenitis. Mary Phillips Sandy is our supervising producer. Shane McKeon is our producer. The show is written and researched by Lucas Riley. Fact-checking by Danya Suleiman. Sound design and mix by Soundboard. This episode featured the voices of Yorgos Karamijos and Rich Green. Our theme song is by Imam Baldi, with additional music by Botany. Finally, thanks to Will Pearson, Connell Byrne, Bob Pittman, and John Marinopoulos. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. What if we told you about a major breakthrough on awesome savings on all-inclusive beach vacays? OMG, this could break the case. Case? I'm talking about CheapCaribbean.com. It's full of hot savings. At CheapCaribbean.com, score an extra $175 off site-wide on vacations of four nights or more now through June 3rd. A swim-up bar in Punta Cana or dip your toes in the sand on the shores of Cancun. We gotta take this show on the road. Start at CheapCaribbean.com.